podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there, my name is Miles Jupp, cricket fan, and together with my co-host Mark Wood, actual cricket man, we invite you to listen to Middle Please Umpire, a new cricket podcast containing the two of us banging on and sounding off together about cricket and quite possibly all manner of other things while lifting the lid on Mark's life as an international cricketer. And as if that wasn't enough, we shall be welcoming some great guests along the way and chatting to them about life on and off the playing field as they spill the beans, drop some truth bombs and see if they can withstand the scrutiny of our brutal interrogations. Middle Please Umpire is available right now from all your favourite podcast providers. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothband back in the chair. And what a difference a week makes. What's all the fuss been about? City's worst start to the season... It's all about complacency, focuses on the Champions League. City can't score without Aguero. We've got to start Foden every week. Drop Mares, he's hopeless. And then we look, and suddenly we have the ubiquitous 5-0 thrashing of Burnley for the fourth consecutive time. And three Blues to join me in a much happier place than they were last week anyway. And they are the excellent Spencer Debson. Hi, Spencer. Hi, Nigel. We have young Sarah Messenger. Hi, Sarah. Hello, Nigel. And we have Stato Paul Denby. Hi, Paul. Good evening. Hi. Listen, what was different? Help me understand this. I've given you a whole list of complaints and and rants from various City fans over the last few weeks. Sarah, what was different? Help us out here. 5-0 thrashing again, fourth consecutive time. What was different this weekend? Well, we scored our chances, or a fair proportion of them. That was that was different to what we've been watching this season so far. Uh, we, we needed a game like that, didn't we? And, and yeah, I mean, we've we've talked on this show before about the fact it's a different season, the sort of the fatigue, mental and physical that players from all teams are sort of allegedly feeling, and all the other reasons why it's kind of not a normal season. Um, but uh, that said, I think City. Kind of, we hadn't had a game like that. All, all our home games had been, to, in differing ways, quite tough, and even the away games had been quite tough. So I don't want to be disrespectful to, dis, disrespectful to our friends in Burnley, but uh, on the basis we seem to manage a five nil every time we play them at home, we just kind of needed that game, and thankfully we didn't fluff it. So, and some good performances from people who we've been waiting to see good performances from. Um, I'm guessing Spencer and Paul might touch on those, but uh, Mr. Mares is one example of that. He, he is indeed. I was took our chances then, Paul. That was the difference, yeah. Well, certainly we took our chances, but I think the main um, positive here was we played Burnley. Um, <laughs> Burnley always be very generous. To five, as you said, Nigel, for the fourth consecutive time. Um, and uh, read in the papers, someone was saying that if there was a crowd there, the search would have been the song, Can We Play You Every Week? Because certainly the way Burnley is set up, I don't know whether Sean Dance is really a Secret City fan, uh, he just lets us be 5 0 every time that he had. Um, now, of course, we played well to do it. We had to take our chances, which is something we hadn't done in the past. But I don't want to, I don't want to sound negative. I think we should take the positives from it, but we've got to build on it. We can't just say, okay, great, we won 5 certainly that's the end of all our challenges. Now let's go and build on against Porto, see how we do against Fulham again next weekend. And once we get a, a couple of consecutive three, four, five games after that, scoring regular goals, then I'll be much more happy. 
Before I come on to Spencer, can I just come back to you on one thing you said, Stato, and that is that, that Sean Dyche's sort of tactics in the past, he's kind of sat back in the past and he actually put out a far much more attacking formation. So, so he, to be fair to him, he did try something different this time. Of course, it, it backfired because he lost 5-0 again. But to be fair to him, he did try something different, didn't he, this time? He tried it, but he failed again. So it doesn't matter. He hasn't got the players to, whichever way he tries to do it, he hasn't got the players that can adjust to Top City scoring five goals at the Etihad. Uh, you're feeling better this week, Spencer. I know that because you've told me already. So uh, what pleased you most about the performance? What was oh, it I am. It, well, look, it was a very cathartic experience, I'm sure, for all of City <laughs> fans. And, you know, no Alka-Seltzer is required after the game. Uh, and I must say it was the first time, I think, this season we've actually played, you know, a full 90 minutes. Um, you know, the, the flow was really good. Um, obviously, we took our chances. Um, good performances all round. I'm sure we'll come on to talk about specifics, but I thought John Stones had a really excellent game. Uh, if he could play like that every week, you know, he'd be in the team every week, wouldn't he? Um, so I just thought really great energy. Some of the individual goals were great. Again, Foden, you know, he's still, still a bit part player. We, we always say we want to see more of him. I thought he was fabulous for... Uh, anticipating, you know, really putting the Mares header directly on his head. He just sort of had to, stu- you know, just stood there and finish it off. Uh, beautiful. Um, so, yeah, I think we all feel great. But I think, like like Stato said, you know, uh, it's just one game. And, and whilst it may be a sort of a psychological release that we all craved, um, it's really just hopefully a building block to the future, but certainly a very welcome um, and uh, a game that we all, you know, thoroughly enjoyed, I'm sure. Well, let's start with individuals then. I suppose, Sarah, there is only one place really to start. And, and Mares has certainly come in for a lot of stick from a lot of City fans. Uh, I've always said, I think his first touch is fantastic. I don't think there's a, a better player at the moment who, who just, you ping a ball at him from anywhere and at any speed and he'll manage to trap it beautifully. So no issues about that. But he's been a bit one-dimensional. Uh, he's lost the ball quite a bit, given the ball away. But but a sort of 9, 10 out of 10 performance at the weekend against Burnley, and all, and all credit to the lad. He took all three goals brilliantly. He did, and he showed us, or reminded us, should I say, of the, of the quality player he is. And, and that's, I think, in a way, one of the reasons City fans have been so frustrated with him, because, yes, he has a lovely first touch, but if he brings it down beautifully and then gives it away, it rather defeats the object. So, um, you know, I was pleased for him, because... I think generally most City fans don't. We're not a a sort of fan base of haters. Um, It doesn't kind of fit fit easily with us to sort of get on the backs too much of a player. But, you know, our expectations have risen. And um, I think, you know, he he got justifiable criticism because he had a succession of games where it felt as if all he ever did was run down the wing, turn back, and then probably 60% of the time, his pass wasn't particularly accurate. And he also failed to put people in when, you know, he insisted on cutting in one more time to shoot and hitting the first defender. So it was great to see him not do that. And, I mean, they were lovely goals. Um, and, um, you know, if he's now going to play like that every time he's picked, hooray, because <laughs> he's going to be a valuable uh, addition to our arsenal when it comes to scoring more goals. He's not really fulfilled his potential, has he, completely? Well, didn't he not win Player of the Year, Stato, when he was at Leicester? Um, and since he's come to City, he's had sort of patches of brilliance, but, but he's not really had a consistent run. 
Um, and that's maybe why, and Sarah's made the point, he's not necessarily a fan's favourite because of maybe some of his inconsistencies, but he can't fault his performance at the weekend. No, it's spot on. He, he was player of the year when he won the league with Leicester. We bought him um, on the back of that great year that he had with Leicester, and he has only delivered for us in, in patches. And this season, I think it was for the first 20 minutes against Leicester when he scored that great goal, and in the Burnley game. Other than that, he hasn't delivered. Uh, and he needs to get back to some of the form that he had last season. But that's probably true for quite a few other players as well. Um, but, um, yeah, Mahrez is one of those sort of players. I, wonder, I think all City fans really want him to do well. But unfortunately, he hasn't done as well as we would have hoped he could do. And it's a bit of a... Bit of a he is, he's got the talent. And as you said, he killed that ball so well. I wish a lot of other City players, i.e. Sterling, could learn from that because they'd be better players if they could do that bit of his skill base. Spencer, I, I a, quick, a quick question on Mahrez, actually. Please, um, yeah. Just with, uh, with, with Sato, we'll have the, the, the numbers on here, which I don't, but I'm pretty sure I saw a stat that career-wise, Mahrez was almost one in two with goals and assists in, uh, both in his Leicester days and his City days. So, I mean, I'll stand corrected, but actually he has been, you know, that's a productive return for any player. And I, I think in his City time, it's about one in two goals and assists combined to games. Um, but, you know, I'll stand corrected on that. I think we, we're giving him a little bit of a hard time there, unnecessarily, maybe. Oh, well, Stato, come back, come back to us. Do you want to kick off um, for a Spencer on John Stone? So I want to pick him out as well, because, you know, there he was, England international you know, future England captain, you know, young Bobby Moore, you know, all the ridiculous comparisons that people make. And, of course, he's mm. not had a consistent run in the side. He's, he's prone to that mistake that people talk about. Um, he's had to watch on the sidelines. We've spent £100 million on two new central defenders. And he's come in, taken his chance. He played, of course, in midweek in Europe. And I thought was outstanding mm. at the back there. I think he won every header. Um, his passing was superb. And I think he's, uh, you know, <laughs> we've got uh, this Diaz and Laporte partnership that everybody talks about. But I think he's, he's fighting for his place after that performance, isn't he? Well, definitely. I mean, if you'd looked at the last two games and you didn't have, um, you know, the, the, the history behind it, you would, you would judge this, this player, John Stones, as a, as a world-class player. He had, he's had two great games. Um, I mean, this is the frustration, isn't it, that we feel with sometimes with our underperforming players. They've got fabulous talent, and it's about the consistency. And I think the thing with Stones is there was, there was some talk, wasn't there, about his off-the-field distractions and so on. Uh, but there's also, a, you, you get a lot of, you sense a lot of warmth from the rest of the squad, and certainly Pep spoke very generously about him after the game. Mm -hmm. So I do think there's, he's still got a lot of equity, um, you know, with, with the team and the manager, and if he carries on playing like this, and you know, maybe he's, you know, maybe he's got a bit more blue sky psychologically, and he's he's ready to go forward. But he played the played very very well. Uh, I think he, you know, some of his passing was just really outstanding. Uh, and if he continues like this, it's it, it's welcome competition. I still think Diaz and Laporte will settle down to be our first choice, but he'll get plenty of playing time. Uh, you know, and this season, uh, you know, could yet be very, very successful for us. So I'm sure on this form, he will be, he'll feature, you know, quite regularly. 
I, I must apologise to you, Sarah, but you being so young, you, I need to explain who Bobby Moore is to you. I'm sure your, your great-grandfather probably told you about Bobby Moore. He was, he was England's captain when they won the World Cup back in 1966, when you were merely a twinkle in somebody's eye all those years ago. Yeah, I studied him in history, I think, did I? Yeah, was he probably. a king of England or something like that? He was a king of England, yeah, yeah. at one point. Yeah, correct. <laughs> well done. <laughs> a bit like King Colin, but that's a different story. That's the one, yeah. <laughs> uh, your thoughts on future England captain John Stones, then? Well, I think Spencer's just made some some really good points about him. Uh, the, 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 I mean, he played really well, and it was lovely to see, because there's, a, there's something about John Stones that's extremely endearing, I think. And one of the things that's, I think, written between the lines of what Pep said this week and what we've probably read previously is that he, he clearly, well, it appears he's had some off-field issues, which we don't know the details of, but it, it seems to me like he's a particularly emotional player and that if he's emotionally not in the right place, um, he can't, you know, it affects his game more profoundly than it does with other players. And Pep is a very emotional manager and I, I, I think there's something about a connection between them that is one of the reasons why Pep has persevered with him. He knows the qualities he's got as a player and I think he's just been waiting for his sort of emotional state as well as his physical state with the injuries he's had to get to a point where he can produce performances like he did. And let's hope it continues like that because that really does give us with, leave us with four quality centre-backs. It's going to give Pep a bit of a problem, isn't it, uh, Stato, if, if Stones continues and you get the other centre-backs all sort of firing on all cylinders. It's a nice problem to have, of course, but uh, presumably it's, it's Diaz and Laporte in, in his head as his, his first two on the team sheet, surely if everybody's fit. I don't think it gives him a problem. I think it gives him a, an option. And also it means we can um, lose a player who doesn't want to play for us anymore, Garcia. So we can bring Messi in in January as a part exchange Garcia. Beat Stones and uh, Ake as well. So it's, it's fantastic. And I think Sarah summed it up brilliantly. He had a really good game uh, the weekend and a good game in midweek. And I think it is sometimes in his head. Um, and he needs to get... Uh, it's not easy. Uh, I'm not a, a professional footballer who can be mentally attuned. So I don't know what goes through his head. But he, he is very... Emotional player, you can see that in the way he, he plays. But yeah, it's great. I really do like John Stones, and I really do want him to be a success for City. All right. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Just one other quick point on John Stones. He also provides a potential defensive midfield option for us as well. Mm -hmm. Sure, absolutely. Mm. Let's uh, let's throw some other names at you then. Obviously, uh, Benjamin Mendy. Good to see him back. Scoring his first goal for City took took it brilliantly. Was that a cross or was that a shot? I don't know. Should we should we give him the benefit of the doubt or was that definitely a cross? What, <laughs> what, what do you reckon, uh, Spencer? Well, I think he would probably have tweeted out there that it was absolutely meant. So we'll have to give him the benefit of the doubt there, won't we? But again, a player who um, I mean, again, had a good game. Um, of all the squad players, in my humble opinion, he's the one that frustrates the most because. He has got talent. He can play. He has got that thrust in the attacking third. You know, uh, so we'll have to see what happens. But out of nowhere, we, I'd sort of kind of written him off a little bit. I think we all had. Uh, but all of a sudden, he comes back and, and, and contributes. And you think, well, OK, maybe he will make his claim for left-back after all. So we'll, we'll wait and see. All right. Um, Stato, anybody else stand out for you? 
Uh, obviously, Torres scored again, uh, but this time in the league, which is good to see. Any Anybody else you want to mention, particularly from the performance against Burnley? I think, because, I think Jesus did it usually, really contributed without scoring the goal, um, laid on the goal for Torres and worked, worked hard for the team. Um, clearly, he was the toenail was offside for that, so one that the keeper saved and managed to push in his own net. But I, I thought he had a decent game as well. Um, the, the rest did what they needed to do. And we touched on, on the star players of the, of the day, I think. I mean, thank God for VAR, because that was so obviously offside, wasn't it? By, by a long way. I'm so pleased we've got VAR and uh, an opportunity to mention it again, because these obvious offsides are just ruining the game for me. And uh, we can <laughs> tell Adam we can stand it out. Well, we, we, we've long referred to you as a prophet, as you know, uh, Nigel. And when you were arguing against VAR two years ago, and mm. some of us were naively saying, oh, well, it could help, and, you know, it'll get mm. rid of all these dodgy four yards of side goals. Mm. Um, and now we're all tweeting, get rid of it as soon as possible, including mm. all your friends at Liverpool FC. Right, Sarah, they I, want I rid love, of it. I, I, lo- I love you, Sarah. I'm going to dig out that two-year-old uh, sort of statement, what I made, and I continue to make, and, you know, none of you would listen to me, but I'm delighted you've reminded our listener of that very point. Yeah, hate it with a passion. There we go. Fantastic. I've got a stat, it's got a stat for you here, Stato. You might know this, of course. Can we talk about young Bailey Peacock Farrell, who, apart from anything else, his name is worth 97 points at Scramble, but apart from that, um, how many goalkeepers have let five goals in or more on their debut, please? So, bless him, Bailey Peacock Farrell. How many goalkeepers have let five goals in on their debut? Uh, anybody want to throw I can answer that. I can answer that very easily. Go on. I haven't a, I haven't a clue. <laughs> it's a guess, it's a, so, guess then. Come on, Stato, give us a guess. Uh, in, in the Premier League years, we're we talking or ever? Uh, this is uh, on, on his Premier League debut. This is Premier League debut. Premier League debut. I will go for zero. You think he's the first, do you? I'll go for zero, just on the basis yeah. that it must be relatively rare. Yeah, he's, he's actually the third. This is exciting, exciting podcasting. He's the third, bless him. He's not the first, but there you go. Um, very good. Uh, anything else? And the, the others were, I think... Do you want to know the others? Do you really want to know the others? Well, jo- all right, then John Sheffield for Swindon in February 1994 versus Aston Villa and Matt Murray for Wolves in August 2003 versus Blackburn. There you go. That full completeness. You've got all three. Thank you. <laughs> Any, anything else about the Burnley game before we move on? Just, just very, just very quickly. Oh. Go, go ahead, Sarah. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that I think we do need to give... Um, Kevin De Bruyne a quick mention not because he had a great game but because even when he has an average game which he did he gave the ball away more than we're used to he still produced two really good assists a shot that cannon back off the post and I just think it just shows the standards that he sets that that counts as an average game for Kevin De Bruyne <laughs> and Spencer you had one as well I think thanks Sarah Spencer, no, no. Well. Sarah just said it Nothing more to add, absolutely, KDB. All right, brilliant. Listen, before we go to a break, I just want to uh, talk about one player um, who sadly passed away at at just the the age of just 60 years of age, and of course that's the great Diego Maradona. Now again, Sarah, 
I've made the point already, far too young to even remember Diego Maradona, certainly never seen him play. But but I guess for Spencer, Stato and, and myself, we, we all have the benefit of actually seeing him play. Uh, any reflections on, on Diego Maradona? Before you answer, I, when the news came through, I said to my dad uh, that Diego Maradona had died and his immediate response was, it was a cheat, cheat. So all he could remember, bless him, was, was the hand of God. And as far as he was concerned, that's what override any of his talent. He was a cheat, as far as my dad's concerned. So he, he didn't want to continue the conversation very much. Didn't have much sympathy for his friends or family. He's a cheat. There you go. Uh, different view, I suspect. Uh, Stato, did you, on, on, on him? He, he was a genius footballer. And apparently that handball goal that he did, he tried that several times and scored quite a few and got away with it. Um, he was a genius, um, brought up in the rough side of Buenos Aires, hard as nails. The reviews I've read of him, people like Graham Sunes, who was a tough footballer, said he used to bounce off him because Maradona was such a solidly built player. He used to get kicked to hell in most of the game, but could still just get up and carry on. I remember watching him for several years from the, from the early 80s onwards, playing for Argentina and then later on for Barcelona and Napoli. Uh, and he was just a fantastic footballer. I would go as far as to say, certainly one of the top five of all time, although I, I must admit I can't go back to the 50s and before then too. And it, it's difficult to do comparisons, but you know, possibly the best, but certainly up there with the top three or four, and as I said, top five in my mind. At some point, no doubt we'll hear the other the others. Is, is No, I'm not even going to try and get that for another day. Spencer, what your, your reflections? Well, I mean, I would I'd rate him high, higher than that in, in, in many ways. And I think the thing with Maradona was, was, over and above his footballing ability, he was an unbelievably emotional human being, wasn't he? We talked about John Stones before. I mean, this man, you know, had no bounds. I mean... You know the, the the celebrations after the the two one Argentina win. You know it was incredibly passionate and emotional, and he lived his life. He sort of lived his life on the edge, didn't he? And I suppose the fact that he was a sort of a flawed genius. Uh, you know, obviously his off the field um, happenings are very well known, but I think that's why he resonated so closely with the Argentinian public because they felt he was truly one of them. You know, imperfect, roguish but a genius. Um, and I mean, even, even I think, I think Lionel Messi was quoted last week as saying, you know, in the modern age, if Maradona was on the pitch today with all the advances of today, uh, he would uh, sort of defer to him, if you like. So I think overall he was uh, an incredible footballer in any era. Um, I think he would be even better uh, today. Um, and, you know, there's something sort of it's a, it, it, I'm going to be controversial here it maybe it's a bit like Boris there's something a little bit sort of lovably lovably roguish about him that when he was describing to Gary Lineker how you know it, no, it wasn't cheating it was sort of cunning with the hand of God thing he, he's got such a sort of um, a sort of a boyish smile on his face that you, a little part of you has to sort of give him a little bit of uh, a little bit of rope there but overall uh, a wonderful wonderful player loved every every exposure to him fantastic sarah do you want to add anything from what you've heard or seen well i i, I have to say i'd use different words to describe boris but moving swiftly on um, <laughs> i know I, I understand the point spencer's making <laughs> i understand i i mean i think actually he is the first footballer that i remember watching and thinking 
I couldn't quite believe what she was capable of doing. It was it was mesmerising, and I mean, Spencer's right that he was clearly a flawed genius. But actually, if you if you look at creative uh, industries throughout history, the most creative and talented people have often been extremely flawed. And I just think he's in that category. And I think if he was playing today with the quality of pitches that we have, the protection that we give players compared to the kickings he used to get. I'm not surprised that Messi defers to him. I think he would be potentially the best footballer any of us, any of us have ever seen. So, just very sad. But I, you know, he lived his life to the full, and I think he'd rather have had the 60 years he had in contributing what he did than had 90 years living a very boring life. Well said. Our thoughts and prayers go to Diego Maradona's friends and family, and we'll be back shortly to talk about Porto away Tuesday night, uh, and we look forward to. City versus Fulham, Saturday, three o'clock at the weekend, and we'll do that straight after this break. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back. Listen, let's get straight on and talk about our excellent Champions League uh, run at the moment. Top of the league, maximum points. And these games are coming thick and fast. And we got Porto away Tuesday night. Um, your thoughts ahead of that game, Stato? Well, it's a game that a draw will guarantee us top spot in the, that group, which I think is important for us to potentially avoid the, the draw that nobody really wants, which we'll be buying in the next round. So, therefore, we've got to go there and get a result. Uh, we don't need to win it. A, a draw is sufficient, but I'm sure Pep won't think about that. It'll go for the win. Uh, there's a bit of needle there, I think, between uh, Pep and, and their manager, Conseil because uh, in the match that the Etihad, had, they, I don't think they shook hands at the end, and there was needle going on between the game, so that will be interesting to as a sidelining view. Uh, I've just got a minor concern about people like Aguero and the fact that he, he keeps being on the verge of coming back, coming back, playing 10, 15 minutes, and then he's out again. And that happened again at the weekend. I don't think it was compassionately that he missed a game. I read the report said he was had a, a, a knee, minor knee thing, and I'm not sure that he's, he's ready to play on um, on Tuesday evening as well. So I don't have any concern about Aguero now. You know, we can't make do with one striker Jesus for the rest of the season. We, 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 we're struggling up front. So I'd love to see him back. And, and that's also for the medium-longer term, for the rest of the season. And are we going to give him another contract for another 12 months as well? So really got to get that sorted. Uh, so just to sort the Aguero bit out, yeah, he has a knee problem. He's not travelled uh, with the squad at all. So I think he's, he's actually stayed back in Manchester. Uh, so he's not even travelled. So he's not going to be taking part in it. And it's uh, a further knee problem. Concerning, concerning, isn't it, Spencer? 
Yeah, very much so. I mean, you, I must say, we do, I do have the feeling that, that we're coming to the end of Sergio's sort of consistent contribution to, to City, um, you know, and it is what it is, really. I mean, it's always been said that he, you know, he must decide because he's so legendary, you know, when to stay, when to go. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, we've got to progress. And if he, his appearances are more limited now, I don't doubt in the background the wheels are turning to, to, to sign a major player, if not in January, because that's probably highly unlikely, but in the summer. Um, we wish him well. We want him back. Um, but, yes, it's, it's definitely a concern now. Uh, we only score five without him, Sarah. That's the problem, isn't it? So uh, we do need him back. We do need him back quickly, don't we? Should have been, yeah, been ten. Yeah. Should have been ten. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry, well, if you'd been on the pitch, you probably, probably would have got five. It. I think. Um, I mean, very quickly on Aguero. Um, it, obviously, he has a legendary status, a, a bit like Company. And I, I fear slightly that we're making the same mistake we did with Company, which was we waited a season too late to replace him and anticipate his departure and we've Great. potentially done the same with Aguero we should have bought a striker in the summer but then of course you never know there may be the dream signing but we can't have him this summer if we wait a year we can have him next summer and in which case we'll all be eating a bit of humble pie but um yeah we want him to contribute as much as he can this season I think for the game on Tuesday it, Pep's made it clear he's not taken academy players. He, I think, I think the, the result matters, but I think actually the performance and, and starting to build momentum is equally important. So hopefully he'll do with the five subs. He'll get to do a fair bit of rotation, and that will actually be useful in terms of preparation for Saturday. And are you referring to young Harland when you talk about this key signing of this key world-class striker? Is that is that who you've got front of mind? Would that be the ideal yep. replacement? He'd do. He'd do, yeah. yeah he's, he's, there's already photographic evidence of him in a City shirt, so let's, yeah. make, let's update his shirt. Very good. It's only because his dad played for City. That's the only reason. He's not that great, really, is he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it'll do. Let's be honest, Nigel. He's, he's, uh, he's setting the world alight at the moment, so that he can come and set Manchester alight. Uh, we'd take him, wouldn't we? To, to, yeah, absolutely. He's the boy. Uh, listen, uh, let's look forward then. Finally, to City Fulham. We talked about getting a bit of momentum. We're doing well in the Champions League. Big five nil victory. Uh, be great to do the same, wouldn't it? Against for another home fixture, another three o'clock Saturday afternoon. Unheard of. And Fulham are coming to town. So, uh, Sarah, you start us off on this then, your, your thoughts ahead of that one. Well, I, my answer might have been slightly different if I hadn't just realised that Fulham are beating Leicester 2-0 at the moment. So, um, <laughs> it's perhaps not quite the walkover that we want. But it's, I mean, I think it actually be quite a good game because I don't think Fulham will play as, as defensively as some teams play. And if they do, I don't think they're as good at playing defensively as teams that have tried that at the Etihad. Um, so, look, we've, the bottom line is, if we've got any chance of winning the league, we absolutely, with the points that we've dropped already, we absolutely have to be beating the Fulhams of this world, much as I've got a very soft spot for Fulham. Um, and we, have, we need to be adding to the goal difference. So I'd be looking for at least a 3-0 win on Saturday. More would be lovely. I mean, before their game against Leicester, which is happening as we record this on Monday night, they'd only won one game. They only got four points. They're sitting second from bottom. Um, and a win would only just get them out of the relegation zone anyway. So it's not exactly been a stunning season for them. So you'd like to think, Stato, that uh, we should be able to roll them over again, shouldn't we? 
You'd like to think so, but um, you just don't know what you're going to get with Fulham at the moment. They've, they've got some decent players. They, they tend to lose because they're... Uh, they don't put away their chances again, but as Sergio said, they're winning at the moment against Leicester, uh, who are another one of those up and down teams. But yeah, we've got to beat teams out for them. If we want to challenge, a, first of all, for top four, uh, and then go on to potentially challenge for the, for the title, we've got no choice. We've got to beat them, and we should be beating them convincingly. Uh, I'm not being greedy. We've got to beat them 3-0 or something like that to, to really show that we're on a roll. How do you see it, Spencer? Oh, of course, totally agree. It's all about momentum now, isn't it? And so we simply must beat them, but not just beat them. We need to beat beat them with some with some flow and with some um, some quality, uh, and then I think things can really build from there. So definitely, we. And Sarah, finally, in in terms of uh, in terms of the sort of team selection for the weekend, uh, it obviously depends partly what happens midweek, but we assume we sort of get at least a draw there, and there's a bit of rotation. Um, your, your thoughts about changes maybe from what we saw at the weekend against uh, Burnley, that's right, I remember them now, against Burnley. Thoughts about what he might change? Well, it, it's hard to say because, as you, it, you know, it depends on Porto whether we get any injuries, who plays 60, 70 minutes as opposed to 20 or 30 minutes. I mean, after the performance last Saturday, it's hard to argue against any changes to that being the starting lineup. Of course, we all like to see. Foden play, um, but uh, you know, so Potter and, and Bernardo Silva is not setting us or getting us on the edge of our seats quite as much as we know he's capable of. So that might be one change, but I don't think there'll be dramatic changes to the team that started against Burnley. And Stato finally, yeah, I think he'll play the, a strong team. He's said the uh, perhaps every other day. I'm not changing the team for the sake of it. We don't need to rotate. We need to have players who are right up there, ready to play for the team and showing good form. So unless there's uh, niggly injuries or whatever it is, I expect a strong team against Fulham. All right, listen, it's been a joy and a pleasure. Thank you to my three guests, to Spencer Debson, to Sarah Messenger and to Stato Paul Denby. This is Nigel Rothman saying thanks for listening and we'll talk to you all very soon. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit Playback Media. Sports Social Podcast Network.